You're listening to the Boots and Suits podcast, where we highlight the work of our office and field workers, breaking down the stereotypes together. This is Boots and Suits. Welcome to Boots and Suits, the podcast where our field and office workers join me to talk about different topics together. I am your host and power superintendent, Chris Robinson, because safety is our number one priority at Tacoma Power. We are going to focus on safety for the first episode. We are joined today by our suit representative, Maisie Nunn, and our boot representative, Tib Nordstrom. I'm going to ask them first to introduce themselves um, and just talk a little bit about how long you've worked for the utility, what you do with Tacoma Power. And if you're comfortable, um, it's always nice to learn something non-work related about you, about your hobbies, your pets, your kids, that sort of thing. So Maisie, why don't you go first? Um, I've been at TPU for four and a half years. I am an administrative assistant in power shared services in our facilities group. I was previously in customer service before that. A little little fun fact, I'm a third generation TPU employee. So my dad's father worked for water, my mom's father worked for power, and then my whole immediate family works for the city as well as uncles, cousins. We're kind of, we're everywhere. So watch out. Um, that's incredible. You, wow. That's yeah. Awesome. Cool. You type in none in Outlook and there's probably about five of us. And then, then I've got more, more family beyond that. Um, another fun fact, I got engaged this year. So working on planning a wedding for next summer. So yeah, I'm just enjoying that phase of life. Congratulations on that. That's awesome. Tim, how about you? So I'm Tim Nordstrom. I'm a civil structural engineer. I've worked at TPU for about two and a half years. Um, I've worked in engineering since 1998, so I guess that's about 23 years. I work in the power generation group. I work with um, the hydroelectric dams, the powerhouses, and then actually the hatcheries, because that's all part of power generation. A fun, interesting thing, I guess, is my dog just had 15 puppies, and tomorrow they're going to be two weeks old. So 15 puppies is a lot, and uh, it's all hands on deck playing mama dog. I wasn't aware that a dog could have 15 puppies. Yeah, it's outside the norm. It's statistically rare. <laughs> what kind wow. of dog do you have? So the mama dog is a red tick coonhound, and the, the daddy dog is a Pembroke Corgi. So this was not planned. This was, yeah, it's not expected. And there's no pictures of what these puppies would look like on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Well, then I think next time we talk to him, we're going to want to see some pictures of these puppies. Uh, for sure. Well, let's let's start talk a little bit about safety. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask is what does safety mean to you and why is it important? Safety means a couple different things to me. I, I think about it in a couple different ways. When we do our jobs and we do our jobs right, the quality of life improves. That's the big picture. On a more personal level or on a smaller level, nobody gets hurt. The, the real answer kind of ebbs and flows between those two points for me. And that's kind of what I think about, well, every day. Yeah, I think safety to me means um, protection, trusting that you and those around you are performing with the health and wellness of everyone around you in mind and ensuring that everybody has the knowledge and resources to support you and complete those tasks. So let me, let me ask a follow-up question. Again, we'll go back to Tim first. What do you think is the single greatest safety risk you see in the area that you work? And you get, it sounds like you probably get out quite a bit in the field, given um, the generation resources that you work on. Yeah, I definitely do uh, get out in the field a lot. The biggest concern I see is there's two kinds of tasks we have. There's tasks that are really rare and unusual, 
And because they're rare and unusual, we, we take safety seriously with those. Boy, we don't do this every day, so I better think about it. So, so we do a good job there, I think, or at least that's what I see. What concerns me is there's, there's some routine tasks where, oh, I do this every day, and we kind of we, we kind of lose focus sometimes, and we kind of go on autopilot sometimes, and those are the ones that will bite you. Those will hurt you, um, or they can. And, and so it's that staying diligent and that staying aware, even on the routine tasks, that's, that's where the blind side, I think, comes more often than not. Yeah, that, that's intuitive. I could see how that would be. If, you, if you're doing something repetitive every day, you sort of probably just take it for granted and yeah. maybe forget. Yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. Maisie, how about you? What do you think? You, you probably predominantly work in the office environment. Uh, what is the single greatest safety risk you see in, in your uh, everyday work? Yeah, I think, you know, right now, and I know it's a hot topic, of course, but coronavirus, but I think that also goes beyond just coronavirus. Previously, it's, you know, having the cold or the flu or whatever. You can only get so much distance from each other in these cubicles or in meeting rooms. And, um, you know, prior, it was kind of not common to see somebody in a mask, even though it probably was best practice. And as an immune-compromised individual myself, you know, I feel very fortunate that I'm able to work from home. I know a lot of my colleagues, especially in facilities, we are full of essential workers. And so I, I feel lucky that I have that sense of protection to work from home. Um, but it's it's hard in the office to get away from everybody or, or you know, keep your distance and that, that sense. So, you know, I, I'm lucky and I'm blessed to be able to work from home. And I recognize that not everybody can, but it's a big risk in the office for sure. Yeah, thanks for pointing that out, particularly the part about um, it's not an option eligible to everyone. Uh, the, the reality is the majority of the folks that um, work for Tacoma Power have jobs that um, really aren't amenable to, you know, working from their from their home. So one of the things that we've been trying to do is um, the people that can work from home, we've been required, requiring them to do so. Um, and the number one reason is to keep the people, the continuity workers that have to come to the office as safe as we possibly can. And the people in our office folks as well, of course. Okay, we're going we're gonna to play a short game just for fun called Two Truths and a Lie. The, the way the game works is you say three things about yourself. Two of them are true and one of them's not. And it's up to the other two of us to figure out which one, which ones are truths and which ones aren't. Who wants to go first? Maisie, Tim? Maisie uh -huh. looks like she's, oh, Tim wants to go first. Go ahead, Tim. Before COVID, I played guitar professionally. Two of my favorite vegetables are beets and spinach. And I've climbed Mount Rainier. So I think we're trying to figure out which one is the lie. So what was the one about the guitar again? Can you remind us, Tim? Be before COVID, I played guitar professionally. Professionally. But I don't, Tim Nordstrom sounds like a rock star kind of name. I don't know if I am ready to take the guitar player off the table. <laughs> you think that's a, the truth, Maisie? I do. I do too. And the second okay. one was something about vegetables. My two favorite vegetables are beets and spinach. And what was the third one? I've climbed Mount Rainier. I think it's I climbed Mount Rainier. You look like the kind of guy who would climb mountains. So you think that's the lie or you think that's true? I think that's the truth. Okay, so you think beets and spinach is the lie? I do. All right, let's go with that one. 
The lie is Mount Rainier. I've climbed Mount <laughs> St. Helens and I've climbed Mount Adams, but I've never climbed Mount Rainier. And you like beets and spinach. All right. I Good do. to know. <laughs> wow. All right, Maisie, you're up. All right. Uh, so I've lived in the area my entire life. I've been shot. I am the youngest of five. Did you say shot or shocked? Shot. Okay, shocked. <laughs> I can believe you've lived here for your entire life, particularly because of what you said earlier about the number of family members that work for the city of Tacoma and TPU. Agreed. I agree. And then the other ones were shocked. And what was the other one? Third one? I've been shot and I am the youngest of five. Okay, I'm going to ask one more time. Did you say shot or shocked? Shot. A bullet. Like with a bullet? I'm going to say it's that one because who on earth would say they've been shot unless they'd really been shot? What do you think? I agree with you, Chris. I think, oh my goodness. (laughs) You're correct. I am the youngest of two, and my brother also works at TPU. (laughs) But you haven't been shot. Uh, I have been shot. Yeah, oh, you have been shot. Okay. Wrong wow. place, wrong time. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> glad oh. you survived it, Daisy. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of safety. Yeah. <laughs> Gun safety, very important. Okay. I guess I'll be last but not least. The first one is I don't have a middle name. The second one is I played minor league baseball for a very short period of time. And then the third one is I worked as a bartender in the Caribbean for a year. I'm trying to think of when I've seen his signatures. Is there a middle initial there? <laughs> hmm. What do you think, Tim? What do you think is the lie? Oh, man. What was your favorite drink to make in the Caribbean if you were a bartender? <laughs> well, I, I think that's the lie, because if you were a bartender in the Caribbean, why would you come back to Tacoma? Yeah, there you no, go. Oh, that's terrible. I shouldn't say that. But... <laughs> I think that one's the lie. Have you ever heard the term island fever? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, that, that that one's true. The one that was a lie was the minor league baseball one. I do have a middle. I don't have a middle name. Really? Um, I wish I played minor league baseball, but the fact is I was at best a mediocre high school baseball player. <laughs> so. Well, that was a lot of fun. So I'm gonna, let me get back to some questions uh, for Tim Easy. Let me try this one on you. How does learning about safety prevent the worst from happening? And I don't, any, either of you could jump in, whoever you want to go first. Well, most of the safety, lack of a better word, lessons that are learned in, say, civil engineering are learned from the worst that happens. We, we try to learn from other mistakes. There's two examples I can think of right off the top of my head, and they both happened to happen recently in Michigan. They had the Edenville Dam fail, and it washed out and it overtopped the Sanford Dam. And the report just came out that said that the primary cause of that failure was static liquefaction. I'll be honest with you, I've been a civil engineer for 23 years and I've never heard of static liquefaction. And so here's something I'm going to be learning about. I'm going to be learning the telltale signs of it. And we're going to be checking all of our water retaining embankment structures to see where would we see it? Could we see it? Do we have a problem here? And so that that's an example of learning from the worst. And then the other one is the Flint, Michigan drinking water disaster. That's another just example of where decisions are made. And I don't think the ramifications were weighed correctly when they made when they made the decision. And looking back from our point of view, how did they get to that decision? Because are we on a, are we on a similar decision making path? So yeah, I think that you can learn a lot 
from that. And that, when we have and we do, and we just need to keep flexing that muscle and keep continually learning from it. Uh, those are those are great points, Tim. What was the phrase you used on the on the dam example? The static liquefaction. Yeah, I, I don't feel so bad because I when you said that I was saying to myself I don't know what that means. I don't know. I don't feel as bad that you don't either. Um, do you, have you gotten to the point where you know what that is? I know what the there, there's there's knowing what the definition is in the dictionary, and then there's say standing on an embankment, and knowing what it looks like in real life. So yeah. I know what the definition is in the dictionary. Um, I honest to God don't know how to identify it in, in the field. Now, granted, I've only spent two days thinking about it, um, but we have a lot of embankments, uh, water That's retaining good. embankments, yep. all around this utility. Um, Matter of fact, I'm working on I'm working on one right now. So, so it's pretty interesting. Um, the short answer is I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I've already reached out to several engineers and we're starting the conversation and we're gonna we're gonna get to the bottom of it. So, that's good. good. I'm glad that uh, we take the opportunity to learn from um, things that unfortunate things that happen elsewhere. And when you learn more about it, I'd um, love to, to understand it better. So, thank thanks for um, sharing that. How about you, Maisie? Yeah, I think uh, because we have so many opportunities to continue learning and even to reteach as well, because sometimes things change. And so we have to make sure that everyone's up to date on that, the best practice or, or whatever it may be, if it's the tempo for CPR or what song you're supposed to sing in your head or how long you wash your hands to happy birthday or whatever it may be, you know, there, there, things change. And so if we're constantly learning, we can update that information and then you're making sure everybody's on the same page who you're working alongside as well. So there's no question. And I think it also reminds people to remain alert. Like Tim had said, there's complacency and you get used to things. And these are reminders to say it can still happen. You know, as much as we say it won't happen to us or you see it happen somewhere else, it can still happen and everybody needs to remain alert. Thank you, Maisie. That was very well thought through. Anyway, those were great answers, you guys. Thank you. I have one more question for you. Can you think of anything else we could be doing to keep our employees safe? I think being proactive. So we're finding, you know, in these unpredictable times, you know, every day there's a, a new news article or a change or a new mandate or whatever it may be, but we're also facing supply issues right now. And so being proactive and making sure we have enough masks on hand or even, you know, supplies as far as safety glasses, you know, we're having furniture order delays in facilities, things like that to make sure we're being proactive so that we're not caught up on these long lead times and and having to operate using old supplies or outdated, you know, materials, whatever it may be, um, kind of planning ahead because right now we just really don't know what next month will look like and things like that. So maybe that means ordering more and supplying it, you know, and, and storing it somewhere. But um, for now, it just seems like we've got to make sure we have that stuff. And if that means we need to store a little more for a little longer, so be it. But I know that lead times have been wild. And so I want to make sure that everybody that, you know, works with us or for us or, or however it works out has what they need to perform safely. That's a great point, Maisie. I'm going to um, ask our safety professionals about that and um, make sure that we do have um, 
appropriate level of um, in stock in the warehouse of those types of items. Uh, we did. We probably did get a little caught shorthanded when this whole thing started. And I think one thing we've learned with COVID is it's not really clear, you know, where the horizon is when it's going to end. So great points. How about you, Tim? Uh, can you think of anything else we could be doing to keep our employees safe? I personally think TPU is a, a safe place to work. And so that doesn't mean there isn't room for improvement. Um, the most important thing is communication. We have a lot of operations going on simultaneously. And for example, I've got a project where we're blocking off a significant portion of the Cowlitz River right now, and I've got people working inside the middle of the river. And so that would be a good time to not do any spillway gate tests upstream because it could impact people downstream. Um, so the, the people up at Mayfield, you know, they, they regularly do maintenance and they check things and they think they're being safe because, hey, we're checking to make sure the spillway operates correctly. And maybe they don't understand the downstream ramifications. Um, pun intended. Um, so things like that, you know, communication is important. And I just use that as, as an example, just so I can get my pun in there. That was fantastic. Um, <laughs> well, that was a good example because you certainly wouldn't want to be downstream when they were releasing water, you know, suddenly from the right. Mayfield. Yeah. yeah. And that's um, the barrier dam replacement. I'm, I'm assuming you're referring to. Correct. Correct. Yeah. The other thing is sometimes people don't think of things as safety. And I think of them as safety. And so I'll give you an example. We've been doing a big push inside the utility with equity. Equity is important. Understanding that everybody's valuable means you care about them. And that will end up meaning you look out for them too. And they'll look out for you. So part of it's communication, part of it's acknowledgement. And I think safety is, it's that, you know, communication is part of it. Equity is part of it. Maintenance is part of it. Safety touches every aspect of the utility that we do. And if we do our jobs right, we will be doing them safely. And so that, that's kind of where I, I'm coming from. Thanks, Tim. I really appreciate your points. That's great points, um, especially the one about equity. And um, I think another one to think about is psychological safety, um, just both physical and psychological safety. So people feel not only um, are safe, but they they feel safe and they feel safe at work and um, feel safe that they're working for and know that those people care about them and, you know, potential safety issues um, when they see them. Yeah, they can feel heard when they when they raise a concern. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, that's all I have today on safety. Um, I want to thank Tim and Maisie for um, participating today. And um, I want to remind everybody that uh, safety is our number one priority at the organization. And we put it in in um, priority in front of everything, including um, productivity. Again, our main objective is that uh, everybody goes home safe at the end of the day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate it.